are listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 193. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four- and five-figure months and then on to six- and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Today, I am so, so excited to bring a good friend of mine, Gemma Went, all the way from the UK on the podcast today to chat to you about the power of reoccurring revenue. What is it and how does it work? There is seriously so many levels of awesomeness when you can incorporate a reoccurring revenue model into your business. And today we're going to share this information with you. We're going to break it down so it's super simple. We're going to talk about what is reoccurring revenue, what types of businesses can can create reoccurring revenue, what are the benefits businesses can see when they create a reoccurring revenue model, what are the challenges that they would see? We also talk about what are the different types of reoccurring revenue that businesses could create. And we also tell you the first initial steps that you need to take and you want to start looking at incorporating this business model into your own business. It is a jam-packed episode. It is going to be epic. But before we get started, just remember that it is now March 2022. You are right on time. And you also don't have to do business alone. You don't have to keep Googling, watching YouTube videos, going on Facebook groups, and still not sure what your individual roadmap is to move you forward in a way that's in alignment for you, your family, and your business. As a business consultant coach, I'm here to support you to get clarity, to help create a strategy and roadmap, and to allow you to have accountability that will help you to make more money in your business with ease. If you're ready to up-level, if you're ready to make small and big changes, and if you're ready to make more money, then head over to Instagram and send me a DM so we can explore how I can support you best. My handle over on Instagram is Angela Henderson Consulting. Look forward to connecting over on Instagram and seeing how I could best help you to make you more money in your business. But for now, let's get into today's awesome episode on the power of reoccurring revenue. Welcome to the show, Gemma. Hey, good to be here. My goodness. I'm so excited to have you here today. I mean, We've already been talking for almost an hour before we finally hit the record button because <laughs> it's been years since we last caught up. And we first initially, we've only yeah. met once in person, which is in California for two yeah. days at a mastermind we were at. But it has been amazing to see the growth in both of us since the last time we connected. We've grown, we've expanded, and we've also helped so many amazing female entrepreneurs around the world to you know, get more wealth into their hands. And so I'm super glad that we've made this work because your work, your energy, and your overall vibe is just so amazing. And I know the audience is going to have the best time with you today. So I'm super excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. Those are such kind words. I'm excited to be here. Now, listen, I always like to ask a fun question at the beginning of the podcast so that the audience gets to know a little bit more about who you are, Gemma, versus jumping straight into reoccurring revenue. So my question that I want to ask you is, how many dogs is too many dogs, right? Because here's oh the thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> For those that don't know Gemma, she has the most amazing, I'd say almost like a dog pound, right? She's got, I can't even keep up three, four, five dogs. I don't know how many you have, but they are the sweetest little things. And when I see them on my Facebook feed, (laughs) I could just squeeze their little 
fur balls because they're the cutest little things. So that's my question. How many dogs is too many dogs, Gemma? Well, here's the thing. I thought I thought four dogs were too many dogs because <laughs> we currently have four dogs. Um, we have Harley, Maureen, Mabel, and Marjorie. Um, all of them cocker spaniels. But my husband wants one of them to have puppies. Oh. And I'm like, I think that's too many dogs. <laughs> and what are their so personalities? I think I'm going to try and draw the line. I'm going to try and draw the line at four. Four. All right. And what is, is there a dominant one? Is there like, what are they all like? What are their personalities like? Oh, they're so different. So Harley is the queen. She's the queen of Birchwood, which is where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marjorie is, she is a slight terrorist. She plans things and, mm-hmm. and she manipulates the other dogs. Mabel, who is my shadow and tends to work in my office. I've had to keep her out today mm-hmm. in case she barks. She is my baby. She's very shy, mm. very, very shy. And Maureen, bless her heart, is, is the one that just tries to be a really good girl, but then gets everything wrong. Um, so they are such different personalities, but they are they are glorious. It's a madhouse. Cocker Spaniels are mad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, listen, they, like I said, I just love when you post pictures about them because they're the sweetest <laughs> little things and they just like sit there all, do you know what I mean? Just, in the, I think it's like a brownie black color that they are. And they're yeah, just like, that's they're, Mabel. yeah, they're just like the most divine little gems. Now, I promise we won't talk about dogs all day, but again, now that we know that your love of dogs, you've got four, you might going to have to cut the boundaries with the hubby about keeping it up for. Can you share with the audience a little bit about where you started in business and what are you up to now? Yeah. So I started, this is my ninth year mm-hmm. in this business. I had a business before. I used to have a digital marketing agency years and years and years ago. Um, and this this business has been going for nine years. And I literally, I started this because I, I was seven months pregnant. I had a really good job at the time and I lost my job. And because I was seven months pregnant, like I wasn't exactly employable at that point. Um, and so starting a business was kind of my only choice. So as my baby was born, this business was born. And initially it was just... It was a vehicle to be able to create money and be, because I was a single mom Mm -hmm. um, and and it was my first child. And so it was a vehicle to be able to make enough money to put a roof over our heads and um, work the hours that I wanted to so I could be a mom. Mm -hmm. And then I think going through the experience of that, Mm-hmm. like completely bootstrapping, like bootstrapping like a demon, doing all the stuff myself, like really learning how to optimize the hours that I had, learning how to be flexible because his sleep times kept changing and all the stuff you have to do as a mom. It it, it kind of a year, two years in made me think, do you know what? I want to help other women do this because mm-hmm. it gave us an amazing life. It afforded us an amazing home. I ended up meeting my now husband and, and it it just, the business opened up so much of a different lifestyle for me. And I wanted to then go on and help other women. I mean, I still, I work with men as well, but I particularly wanted to help other women 
to be able to do that, to gain that independence, mm-hmm. to turn their lives around with a successful business. So it's just kind of grown and grown and expanded and expanded. And I still have that same core mission specifically with women, like really helping them to create a new life, to turn their lives around, to bring those dreams to life with a successful mm-hmm. um, business, whatever success looks like for them. And it's kind of it's kind of evolved now into taking all that I've learned from that and actually um, certifying and training online business coaches to be able to do what I've done um, and taking all of my frameworks and and methods and teaching online business coaches to do the same. So it's kind of gone in another direction as well. And it's, it's super exciting. I love it. I love the work that I'm doing. How great is it to be able to, again, trust the process and also allow yourself to evolve? I was just speaking with a client the other day and she's like, everyone says I have to niche. I have to niche. This was a discovery call. And I said, well, again, my whole philosophy, if you choose to work with me, is that a niching is kind of like when I was in Vietnam, I would see the old, uh, the old school fishermen and they would pull, like throw their big nets out and they would slowly start to bring in their nets. And then they would look at what fish they were keeping and what they were letting go of. Now that evolved over time for them. They had to learn what ones to keep, what ones to let go of. And I say the same thing in business, right? Is you're going to start I love doing that analogy. One, you'll start one way, right? And your net's really, really big and wide and you're kind of taking all the fish, but then you get smarter and you know which ones to let go of and knowing that there'll be plenty of fish in the sea to eat, right? And so when I was in Vietnam and that moment happened, I was like, yes. So I say to people, I was like, your niche will evolve as you evolve. And again, I do believe yeah. if you take too long to niche, that can mess some people up. If, but if you niche too quickly, you can be out of business and back in a nine to five job. So I was like, again, just let know right. it's an evolution. And I would say the same similar thing. Would you agree that's happened to you is it's just evolved over time yeah. into, and you kind of leaning more and more into now what you did, you know, nine years ago and what you do now is similar same but you're doing it in a way that probably is in more in alignment with you easier for you in doing a business with ease what are your thoughts completely agree and and although that kind of like that thread of a core mission has stayed the same throughout I've absolutely evolved and one of the things we talked about before we came on well before we hit record was the importance of alignment Mm -hmm. and I have really lent into that throughout this whole process and so I know when something feels off and I know that um the choices we make in our business they're not they don't have to be here for a lifetime Mm -hmm. and they may be here just to serve us for a season and we learn from that and we move on to something bigger or better or more supportive of us and so over time I have always leaned into that alignment and listened to those nudges when and i and i've stopped revenue streams and i've stopped services when that's happened and i've just retired them and those were profitable getting mm-hmm. great results but i was like no this is not feeling right i think there's something more there's something else mm-hmm. i need to be doing and then i moved to the next evolution mm-hmm. and at the times that those happened most there were so many people saying to me are you crazy this is such a great offer I'm like, no, there's something bigger and better and I can move it into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've never been wrong. I have mm-hmm. never been wrong in that. And it's trusting those nudges because, mm-hmm. you know, like we all know what's right for us. Mm-hmm. And so it's trusting in that and not forcing ourselves to do things like niching before 
we know what that niche that lights us up needs to be and and when to evolve that later on as well like a business is a movable thing we can we can make our choices and take it in whatever direction we want to and sometimes too would you agree or disagree that sometimes we don't need to know all the hows yeah totally totally mm-hmm. it's just trusting like you mm-hmm. say trust in the process just like going with it and knowing that the how will will reveal itself and i think you know you the same you work with so many different um, business owners that that don't know and they look to us thinking we know all the hows and when I say to them I, I still don't know all the hows like I can pass totally. on what I do know but <laughs> yeah. I'm still finding out some hows for the next part of my journey and I'm leaning into that and I'm really comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Now listen, you and I, the thing with us is we could chat for hours and hours. So I'll try and get back to what I mean about our topic today. But I, I still think it's just so important that, again, reoccurring revenue, if you're not in alignment with it, don't do it, right? So again, it's yes. these are the things that though we're talking about it, and you might think, well, what's the connection? There's always a connection if you choose to look for the connection, yeah. right? So today, today we're going to be talking about the power of reoccurring revenue and something this is both you and I have inside of our businesses. And when I was looking through, we're about to hit 200 podcasts. I was going through all the podcasts. I was like, I don't think we've actually had a full in-depth conversation about this. So that's why I'm even more excited to kind of dig deep today about the power of reoccurring revenue. What is it and how does it work? So my first question right off the bat is I like to just kind of draw a definition so we're all on the same page. So tell yeah. us what, what, how are we defining what is reoccurring revenue? Yeah. Okay. So for me, and this is my definition, this is the way that I kind of approach it when, with my teaching and in my own business. It's when you have um, an amount of revenue locked in that's already secured over a period of time in your business, right? And so the way that I teach this is to kind of give my clients goals and 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 a strategy to work towards is I always say look work out what all of your operating costs are your mm-hmm. salaries like if you're if you're running profit first what the profit amount is work out that basic minimum amount that you need in your business to pay you pay your team pay all your expenses pay your taxes pay your profit if you want to what's that minimum amount and then go and find a way of creating recurring revenue for at least six months, that will cover that amount of money. Because then when you've done that, and I know I'm probably shooting ahead on the questions, but then when you've done that, um, the anxiety of running a business starts to decrease. Mm -hmm. The feast and famine, the, oh my God, I don't know where the sales are coming from next month. All Mm -hmm. of that starts to diminish And you are then in a space of doing the things that you actually started the business for in the first place, Mm -hmm. the stuff that you love doing, the stuff that really lights you up because you've already secured the revenue. And so for me, that's what it looks like. It's like having that security for a minimum of six months, because I found that like six months, you can really kind of relax a little bit. Mm and just knowing that that's there, that really helps to kind of put you in a space of, of ease and joy. Now, I love the definition. I will, I'll just add just a little bit about that. So if it's for those people out there that are like, well, I do one-on-one or I 
I don't know, I have a pick my brain session just to kind of let you know, it's, it's something that you have on offer, but it's typically you're, they're signing up for six months. So that I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here, Gemma, is that, and that, you know, they're committed to whatever it is that they've agreed to and that you're going to deliver to them for a minimum of six months. Because again, that will help with cash yeah. flow. Like you said, decrease your anxiety. And you're not having to keep inquiring more and more people. You can, again, keep them within your ecosystem for that amount of time that you agree on six months, three months, 12 months, whatever. Um, and then again, like you said, it just alleviates always having to chase the next lead, right? And just really focus on also nurturing yeah. the current clients that you have while being able to still build your business as you go. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't always have to mean having someone working with you for six months. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can also mean having a, say, for example, if you were doing a VIP day, right? Just one-to-one VIP day, maybe it has like one month Voxer access afterwards or something like that. Right. And it's, it's a, a bigger amount. You give someone a payment plan. Mm-hmm. to actually be able to afford that. And then you've locked them. And let's say you've given it to them over three months, right? Mm-hmm. Then you've got that amount coming in. Um, you might have someone that is signing up for something for a three-month container. You might give them a longer payment plan to make that more accessible. You've locked that in. And so when you start playing around with things like payment plans and you lock them in, you can start to actually secure that money. So it's not always working for six months, you know, and I'll give you an example in my certification. Now, because they get a lot in my certification, it's an investment, you know, it Mm. needs to be an investment. Um, It's not just a certification, it's the frameworks, it's everything that they get with it. Now, that's a six month container. Mm-hmm. But I give them a 12-month payment plan to make it much more accessible to them. And then I've got 12 months of recurring revenue locked in. So it's really thinking smartly about your offers and mm-hmm. thinking, how can I turn that into something that can secure some recurring revenue for a period of months and then start to map that out? I mean, of course, you've got things like membership sites and subscriptions as well, which, you know, if you've created a membership site or a subscription with a really good retention and experience design on the inside that keeps people for longer. You know, my my membership generally on average, people would stay for about six or seven months months on average. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me, that again, that's recurring revenue mm-hmm. at the minimum of six months. So it's it's designing your offers and looking at your offers differently to make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. And I like that, again, you took it one step further and clarified that you can deliver the service in one month, but give them a payment plan for three months. You're still able to lock yeah. in that money and, again, be able to project what's coming in for the next month, the next two months, the next three months, again, without always having yeah. to chase, chase, chase. Now, what type, for those businesses that are listening to this particular episode, what type of businesses can create reoccurring revenue? Do you know what? I think pretty much any business, because um, if you think about maybe even sort of more product-based businesses, there is always a subscription idea mm-hmm. for a product-based business. Um, service-based businesses, you know, again, memberships can work there, but the payment plan method is something that can be applied to anything because there will always be people that can't place pay something at full price. So by making it more accessible, making a payment plan over a period of months, it gives more people the chance of working with you. And then it gives you the security of that revenue over a period of months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it can pretty much work with any business. You know, I have, I have a membership that 
it's it's got about I think we're about 180 190 people at the moment um and I have never once had any, and we really focus on recurring revenue in and it's all about recurring revenue models. I've never had one person in there who we haven't been able to come up with a recurring re- revenue offer for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a real range of businesses. So I think it's, you know, it's less about the business. It's more about structuring your offers and the things that you sell mm-hmm. to enable this. Mm-hmm. Love it. Your benefits. I know there's a quadrillion benefits right, that businesses can start to see when creating a reoccurring revenue. So can you share with us a few of the benefits that businesses would see if they chose to go down this path in incorporating reoccurring revenue? Yeah, I think the first one has to be mental health and anxiety Mm -hmm. because, oh, God, the feast and famine and the fear of, of not getting the sales in is 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 huge and i think that's been even worse across the pandemic because mm-hmm. anxiety is high anyway mm-hmm. people have had to take time off for their because they're sick mm-hmm. um so having recurring revenue locked in just diminishes that and reduces that anxiety and that worry um equally when you have that and you've got that locked in in those seasons where maybe you did get sick or someone in your family had covid or something else was going on um you're able to step back from the marketing step back from the sales just serve your clients mm-hmm. work who have, who have secured um the offers that have the recurring revenue work for them work less so that you can then take care of people take care of yourself and i experienced this myself in 2021 because i've had quite a lot of health issues and i had to st- stand back a lot and do a lot less marketing and a lot less selling mm-hmm. and nothing happened to my business because i'd already had everything locked in so all i did was reduce my hours showed up for the clients that i was working with mm-hmm. and i was still able to rest mm-hmm. and so i really was able to take care of myself and i don't think like you can't put a value on the ability to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And I saw so many businesses going under over the last two years where they had COVID or a family member had COVID or they had to deal with so many horrible things that have happened in this pandemic where they, they weren't able to sell anymore. And because they weren't able to sell, there was no business. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, it's, creating that security and 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 that to me is a sustainable business mm-hmm. like creating that sustainability that you can deal with whatever is being thrown at you as a business owner um and then i think the the other thing that isn't talked about a lot um and because because i guess not everyone really thinks about doing this but you know if you're building a business to exit if you're building a business to sell, when people are looking to buy businesses, recurring revenue is one of the criteria they look at. How much money on revenue have they already got locked in? Mm-hmm. How much have they got forecasted? How has that revenue um, uh, looked over the last couple of years? And if they see that you've got this recurring revenue model working, it's a much more um, desirable business to sell like that's one of the biggest things people look at um when they're when they're buying so it there's so many different elements that 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 really benefits you but i think you know for those people that aren't looking to do things like that it's just and it's just having the space 
to be able to do the things you love without being in fear. I think that is the biggest thing for me. And I know for me this year, when I was looking at my overall calendar for 2022, the first thing I always do is I block out my lunches, I block out public holidays, I block out school holidays. And this year, then I blocked out 77 days of holidays, right? Because technically, I'm due to be in Iceland for an event in May, I'm due to be in Canada, I was due to be in Napa Valley for our mastermind that we're currently in, etc. And the thing for me was the benefit was, I'm able to still have my reoccurring revenue models with my one-on-one, my masterminds and profit pillars, but I could still take 77 days off, not including normal weekends. Right. And I was like, oh, this is refreshing, right? Like it doesn't have to be that I'm working 365 days a year to, to make the money that I do. I'm able to still work and take 77 days off, which is over six weeks. Right. What is that? Eight times seven is 56. No, I mean, that's almost like 10 weeks, right? 70, yeah, over 10 weeks of, and that's not including the public holidays. That's not including Saturdays and Sundays off, right? And I was like, ah, so all my clients are still taken care of. They still get all of their calls. They still get all of that, but it's just working around the lifestyle that I want to have for my family and I. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And again, people forget about somewhere in business. I think we all do it at some stage. I know when I was talking on the podcast last week uh, in regards to having to just adapt with my son is, you know, he's given me the opportunity to really reflect on things. And sometimes we lose sight for why we're in business, right? And with him moving into high school yeah. and just having to hold space for him, it's really reflected about why have I gone into business? Why am I doing this? And yeah. reoccurring revenue can really contribute to the flexibility and lifestyle that you we want. Um, even though yes. sometimes when we chase things or get shiny object syndrome. So no, so I, I just love the reoccurring revenue. Now, there are challenges with reoccurring revenue models, right? So not all things are glorious on the side, though they definitely weigh more heavy on the glorious side. Tell me, what are some of the challenges yeah. you've found when helping businesses create reoccurring revenue models? Yeah, do you know what? I think the only ones that really crop up for me that I've seen, and thankfully we don't see this very much in my business. I'm, I'm really relieved. Well, we, we really focus on um, retention and experience design with, uh, so that people are really happy when they work with us and they get, they get more than what they paid for. Um, but I think the only issue that I've seen with stuff like this is defaulting on payments. Mm-hmm. So people not meeting their payment plan or changing their minds. Um, Equally, I think if you're using a membership model for your recurring revenue, you know, you have to sometimes really work hard to keep people. And when, um, when things go wrong, and with society as a whole, as we've seen so much of in the last two years, and people are scared, and they need to cut their expenditure one of the first things they will cut is a membership because it's so easy because mm-hmm. they're not locked into it so you get that risk as well but for me and and I'm I I have purposefully really focused on retention strategies and experience design that make my people not do that mm-hmm. um and so you know we're really proud that we've had no refund requests in my company I think for about two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, I've offered 
people refunds where where they've kind of joined us and I'm like, I don't think this is the right fit for you right now. And I will uh, give people a refund and suggest they do something else. Um, but we, and we very rarely have a default payments um, because we, we, we get people that, you know, the credit card just changed. Or totally. That's mine this month. I'm, then, a, I'm waiting for shit to start coming. Oh my like, God, I, me too. I, I hate that. It's like, this is the same credit card number. I've got it memorized, but the date changes and now everything's going to be messed up for the next month. And right? people will be like, that lady, her credit cards. And I'm like, but now it's, I, it's yeah. four years or three years. It's the new, num- the new expiry. So yes. Yeah, it happens. Happened to me in January and I was that person. Yeah. But that happens all the time. But building out a reason for people to stay and not default is a major part of running recurring models in your business. You can't just do it and then hope that everyone's going to stay up to date with their payment plans and stay on your membership. You've got to design something on the inside that makes them really want to freaking stay and make those payments. And so making sure that you do that you're not going to get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't. As a company, we're, we're very lucky that that we don't get any of that stuff. Well, it's not luck. It's because we've, we've designed some yeah. strategies to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, but, you know, you can deal with that. Like, you can deal with that. The payoff is worth it, I think. Mm-hmm. And listen, I would agree. I, I would say for me is I, I go one step before when they join, also in discovery calls, you know, when someone asks me a question like, but what if I join and I don't like it? And I said, well, what, yeah. if, what if you went and bought a brand new car and you no longer like the color? I said, you don't get a return yeah. to the car. I said, what if you went and bought your dream home, but you now don't like the way the sun sets? You don't get to just go to the real estate now and hand the keys in. I said, so I was like, I'm pretty firm. And I know I actually repel a lot of people because I'm like, when you sign up, you are making a conscious decision that you are entering an agreement exactly for 12 that. months, three months or six months. So for me, as I, uh, and I'm sure you probably do too, but might just, we haven't talked about, I see them already. And then the experience also comes, which obviously helps with retention, but I'm like, I would rather people, I also say, and I think you're along the same lines is I don't want you to join. If my name is going to be the conversation between you and your partner and you're fighting, I don't want to be the person that's in there. Oh my God, Angela, this payment comes out tomorrow and we can't pay the food. No, don't sign up. Listen to the podcast, consume the free content, come back when you're ready, but I don't need your money because that's going to stress me the fuck out. And I don't want that energy connected. Right. Totally agree. So yeah, so there is an essence. I totally agree with that. Mm. so yeah because it's like i, yeah, I totally can... agree with that go ahead and, and and you know what you you want them you want them to see their bank statement every month and see that payment and go oh my god i'm getting so much more value than i'm paying mm-hmm. that's the emotion that's the expression that we want right 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that's like i also kind of have this golden rule of thumb that when people work with me I think, I think we both are very much, we're huge givers, right? They, they love being in our spaces, whatever. And that's not being conceded. That's just owning the experiences we've created is that yeah. when they go to someone else and they need to, and we've talked about this before recording, they don't want, you don't want to stay with us yeah. forever, but when they go to someone else, I yeah. still want them to be like, fuck, we had it good with Ange. She checked in on us. Right? She had this amazing yeah. experience. She made us feel good, right? We were seen, we were heard. Yeah. Like, and so you can still have that and they'll fly the cuckoo's nest one day because you don't want them to become dependent on you. But it's that is when they do leave, I want them to be like, oof, that was pretty good, right? You want to be the benchmark, right? 
Totally. 100%. (laughs) So now we've talked about recurring revenue. We've talked about what types of business can create it. What are the benefits? What are the challenges? Can you share with us what are the different types of recurring revenue that businesses can create? I know you talked about like subscription. You talked about membership. We've talked about like, again, for me, I do one-on-one, but they can only do that in six months. Like it's a time slot thing. Um, So is there any type of other things that we haven't talked about that you'd like to add there in regards to what different types of revenue? Yeah, do you know what? I think there's, yeah, there's, there's one more that I think needs to be brought in and that's um, retainers. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, this is how, when I, when I was a consultant, when I first started out, I was working with, um, I was working as a digital consultant for brands and corporates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have a minimum six month retainer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them ended, I ended up working with for like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that kind of retainer again, just locks you in. So, you know, if you're a designer or you're, um, you're doing sort of done for you services or you're doing ads or any of those kind of things, creating a retainer based offer um, can really help you to lock that stuff in. And, and, you know, normally for those things, you want to be working with someone for at least six months. You know, certainly when I'm working with those kind of service based providers, I want to be with them for six months minimum to kind of check it works and then keep that relationship going. So retainers work really nicely for this. No, love it. And those businesses who are out there going, okay, I want to decrease my anxiety. I want to be able to have 77 days of holidays. I want to be able to serve my clients well. What would you say are the key steps businesses would need to take to get started in creating a reoccurring revenue model? I would start looking at your office Mm -hmm. and listen to what we've both said today. Look at your office and think, how could I switch that into a recurring revenue offer, whether that's extending things into a retainer, mm-hmm. um, whether that's looking at your offers, whether it's one-to-one or, or, or one-to-many, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and thinking about how can I create a payment plan around that, whether it's looking at a subscription model mm-hmm. and if that would work for your business. But look at your current modeling offers and think about what can I change relatively quickly to start securing that money you know Mm. not coming in and coming out with something brand new that's going to take months for you to actually create and get off the ground what can you do right now Mm -hmm. and then the second thing that I would do is do what I said at the start of this work out what that minimum target amount is that covers everything all the costs in your business that makes you exhale Mm -hmm. and go Oh, okay. I've got it. I've got this. If you had that secured for six months, what is that number? Mm -hmm. And then go and sell enough of those offers that you change to get that number secured for six months and you will feel completely different. Dude, I love, love the advice. And I know there'll be a lot of amazing humans listening that are like, I need me a bit of Gemma in my life. Where can businesses connect and start to learn more about you and potentially work with you? Oh, thank you, my love. Um, best place to start would be my website. So gemmawent.co.uk. Yeah, fantastic. You're also on Instagram, yes? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook, but mostly Instagram. So you can come and find me on Instagram where I am, Gemma Went. Fantastic. Now, my final question, my friend, before we have to wrap up is, what do you know in business that you wish you would have known when you first started off? Oh, my God. And this probably goes back to what we were talking about before we hit record. Mm-hmm learn to trust myself. Like I am 
the best mentor I could ever hire. Mm-hmm. So learn to listen to those nudges mm-hmm. and not listen to the shoulds and the advice from other people because that took in my early days that took me down a few paths that were absolutely not right for me mm-hmm. so it's like hire the coaches absolutely but lean into your own intuition and your own inner wisdom mm-hmm. because that knows best always mm-hmm. love it and before I sign off please remember that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode over at AngelaHenderson.com.au where we'll make sure we include all of Gemma's links so you can stay connected with her and for you amazing human have a glorious day no matter where you are in the world and I look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the business and life conversations podcast thanks again so much today Gemma I appreciate you and love from Australia thank you so much Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.